Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Carolyn Parent. She's the CEO of Conveyor, an organization that converts product instructions into digital assets that drive revenue. Carolyn is a technology operating executive with 25 years of CEO, CRO, and board member experience in successfully launching, scaling, leading, and transforming companies. A passionate results-driven leader, Carolyn has built high-performance teams and grown organizations to achieve their highest levels of success. Carolyn has led companies at the forefront of SaaS technology innovation in real-time digital communications, mobile AI, and data and security analytics. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you. So I'm so glad you're here. I always love talking to other women leaders who are in the tech space because of my background, you know, 30 years in tech. Um, and, and now we get to focus on technology and mental health, two of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of your, your journey and how you wound up to being the CEO of Conveyor. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and to uh, and to get a chance to chat with you. So my uh, my grandfather was a first generation salesperson, and my father uh, and he became, grew up to be a CEO. And my father started out in sales and became a CEO. And I kind of was just born into a sales culture family um, and moved up to management over time. So we we always uh, were going up. Other people were talking about lacrosse and soccer around the table when we were in the sixth and eighth and ninth grade, and we had you know visiting salesmen. Managers talking about deals, you know, deals and how to close business. So we've just, you know, kind of in my family and uh, knew right from the start that I wanted to go into sales and into business management, just because that's kind of what everybody in my family just did. My brother was in sales and he's a CEO. So just kind of what we did. You know, I think it's really important what you said, like you talked about that stuff as a child. Not many parents do that, right? They might talk with each other, but not get the children engaged. Um, and we learn and, and do what our parents do, you know, that's, that's how we learn from each other. Um, so from that perspective, you know, your parents were almost your mentors, your family was, was your mentors. Um, who do you, who do you see as your mentors today? Who do you count on to make sure that you can bounce ideas off of and, and, um, you know, talk strategy? So, um, I'm really blessed. Um, my closest tribe of women, um, you know, that are my friends all came from my professional relationships at work. So some people find them when they're where they grew up. Some people find them in college, their best friends. But for me, you know, my tribe that is happy with my successes, empathetic when I'm failing and will always give me honest, direct advice. Um, we call ourselves the fatty McDrunksters. It's a tribe of women <laughs> that like get together and we just eat and drink and say, we don't, you know, just be completely be yourself. And so many of them are, CEOs and um, and uh, you know some of them have um, you know been with me for over twenty years where we started earlier in our careers and just kind of evolved and then I'm very very fortunate that I belong to a tech council 
um, in Northern Virginia. And through there, I've met some other um, some other leaders. I'm on the board. And, and it's a, just a great group of people that you can, some that have had 10x the success of me, some that are in, you know, still, you know, growing their businesses, you know, like I am. And just a whole slew of people that you can talk to to get honest feedback. It's very hard to get honest feedback. And my best mentor um, is uh, my investor and board member, um, Eve Burton, and she is the executive vice president at Hearst. She founded a fund uh, through Hearst to found female founders to fund them so they could launch and start their own company. I was her first investment, and now there's over 50 uh, you know, uh, tech companies out there with female founders who have started with you know Hearst money and you know have grown. And then um, I was fortunate when I did my last company. Uh, Fred Smith was an investor. He's the chairman of and founder of FedEx. And uh, after my dad died um, young at 67, my father was my mentor for forever. I was so blessed to have um, Mr. Smith as a board member. And I found him to be unbelievable, you know, in terms of giving advice. So my board members, my tech council, and then my tribe of women um, that uh, I talked to. And of course, my mom and my brother, you know, were very tight. So I lean on them as well. I, I love that. You know, you have to surround yourself with the right people. Um, if you don't, because sometimes, you know, people start businesses and they think they, they, they've created a good team, but there's not always a good fit. Um, but you have to really create an environment for you to grow. Um, how do you make sure that you weed out those people that aren't aligned with your values, that aren't aligned with your mission and what you're trying to do so they don't drag you down? I think it's a really hard thing to do. I think as women, we have a tendency to want to try and be a little more empathetic and not upset people. And, you know, they call that like firing your friends, right? Like, so people that, you know, maybe they were friends because your kids went to school together or they were on a sports team or you were in some, it's kind of like in college where you're all friends in the dorm room and then everybody moves off campus and you're like, you have to make an effort and you start to sort out like who are the people you really want to spend your time with. I think it changes. It's very interesting. I think in your thirties, and your 40s, when you're kind of aspiring your career, you're raising your family, you're climbing up the ladder, I think you're more susceptible to just bringing everybody along. And then when you get what I found, when you get more quiet time, because you are less, your demands are less, your kids are in college or they're grown, or uh, you move away from the neighborhood into maybe a, a different area where there's not as much stimulus, I think you get more selective, you get a little stingier, and you start saying, I might not have as much time left in the free time that I do have, that's truly mine, not I'm going to my kid's sports team, I have to be with these people, you know, um, you know it becomes very personal. And um, I, I think you have to ask yourself, what's giving you positive sense of joy and what's not? And I think the biggest, biggest single thing that, that's a determinant of that is when you have success, what is someone's reaction to it? Is immediately they're comparing themselves to you or are they genuinely just thrilled for your success? When I sold my first company, I found that was a really good litmus test that people that were just genuinely thrilled, you know, whether they had been more successful or less successful professionally or financially, were just genuinely happy for me compared to the ones who immediately their reaction was to compare it to themselves or where they are, or what they've done. And, and I, that was one where I was just like, okay, I know the people that have pure joy and are worthy of, you know, that I want to continue to nurture and ones where it's going to be a different relationship. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I felt. I just felt like it's hard to find people who are genuinely happy for you who aren't immediately going to compare that to themselves. And I think if they do, that's not your tribe. Right. And and sometimes it's hard to distinguish, right? Is it just me thinking that they have motives behind what they're saying or that they're not really happy or, or are they really, um, you know, are, are they really envious or do they really care? You know, it's, it's really kind of 
hard to, to tap into that, determine what's real. And sometimes it might take a couple of tries, right? A couple of successes or a couple of failures in order to identify that. But that's or is so it exhausting? True. Or is it yeah. exhausting? Like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, this relationship is just so exhausting. And I thought, you know what, you get to a point where you're like, I, I don't want to be in a relationship that's exhausting. I, you know, I want to be something that's, you know, that's fulfilling. So I, you know, I, and by the way, you don't have to cut people completely out of your life, but I do think when you've got free time, limited free time, and you're like, I want to take a trip or I want to have a lunch, you, you have to ask yourself like, you know, how do I want to spend it? And what's not an obligation. And I definitely think that kind of naturally sorts its way out as, as, as you get older. I certainly found that it did for me. I like what you said about being stingy because it's so true. You're creating boundaries around your time. And so many of us, we people please, you know, I, I've had clients who literally like, but I've known them forever, but they drag me down every time I'm with them. And it's like, well, then just cut the ties. Like you don't owe anyone an explanation. You don't, you have one life. You, you literally don't owe anyone an explanation. And it sounds harsh, but, but if somebody really drags you down every time you're with them, um, it's time to cut ties. It really is. If, if, they're, they'll, if they don't bring any value to your life or they're constantly nitpicking or criticizing, you know, regardless of whether they're family or friends or whatever, um, you don't have to keep them around. And I think that's a, that's a tough thing, you know, a tough boundary to put in place, but uh, very, very necessary, like you said, because that's how you make room for the good people in your life, right? You have to get rid of the old to make room for the good people. Well, it's so funny. That was, um, I think you're right. I think you can also just accept that it was a great time and moment at the stage in your life, you know, maybe when the kids were little or maybe when they were in high school or whatever the, whatever the phase might be. And now it's just a different time. And so you can look back and say it was good for that period, but for where we are today, it's, it's not. And in terms of making space, you know, it reminds me of people's approach to dating. So, you know, my approach to dating was, was a pipeline. You know, I knew eventually I wanted to get married. I want to have kids. I wasn't going to date somebody that I knew I didn't have a future with just for fun, because I'm like, you're taking up time that, it could be the you know the right person, and so um, I think you're absolutely right. You do, you know there's only a finite amount of time, and the older you get, you realize you have less and less, and so you, you have to be a little more um, probably stingy was too harsh, but a little more um, pointed, you know, directed at how you want to expend your energies and who you want to spend them with. And I like how only a salesperson will use the pipeline when talking about dating. <laughs> Well, but, and like, I had friends that were like, well, we're just dating for fun. I'm like, well, to what end? And they're like, just for fun. And, and they were fine with that. Right. And for me, I was like, well, that just seems like a waste of time. You know, if you know, there's no future, like go have fun with your friend, girlfriends and, you know, leave some room for, you know, the right one. And I'm lucky I've been married 31 years. And so I, uh, I definitely, congratulations. Very poor. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. It's just crazy. I'm, I'm we're more in love today than we were even 20 years ago. So I think, it, you know, like like relationships, like everything else, it goes through, you know, it goes through iterations. But yeah, he's great. So what do you think? What do you think attributes to that relationship, that healthy relationship? Because I always say if you have if you're healthy yourself, you can create healthy relationships around you, whether it's work or colleagues or friends or partners. What do you think um, attributes to your healthy relationship and marriage? I think you have to have a sense of humor um, about everything. And I also think it's really important. Um, I am just a high energy, you know, up and down, you know, type of passionate person. And he is steady Eddie, like best day of his life, worst day of his life. You know, it's very pragmatic. 
but he does get really, you know, wrapped around the axle on very few things, but he does. And usually those things are things that do not matter to me and vice versa. So as long as we always like to say, as long as one of us, you know, as long as both of us aren't completely wrapped up around something, you know, we're a good balance. But the other thing is, you know, we joke that, you know, I tell him you, you bought the ticket to the train and you knew what track it was headed. And, you know, 30 years down the line, it's pretty much down the track we thought it was going to be. You know, we wanted to get married. We wanted to have a nice home. We wanted to have some children. We wanted to stay close to our family. You know, we wanted to, you know, so these, you know, I think if you kind of have some ideals and also life throws things like job loss and money problems and sickness and elderly parents and death and, you know, and all kinds of other things. But if fundamentally, you know, you're aligned with how you want to live your life, what's important to you collectively at the beginning, then that bond helps you withstand, you know, the blows that come and they come, you know, I mean, life is, you know, is unpredictable. So, um, and we have a lot of fun um, and he makes me laugh. I think that's really, to me, that was really important. I, you know, his sense of humor was one of the things that drew me to him, my passion and drive he loved. And those things are still, you know, still hold true today. And I'm the odd duck out. So I have a son and a daughter. They're both engineers. My husband's an engineer. So I am definitely, you know, the the one that doesn't look like the others in terms of, of the collective group. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we have a good time together. I love that. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you're very driven, uh, high energy. I absolutely love it. You're go, go, go. You're successful. What do you do to make sure that you maintain balance? What do you make sure that you don't go over the top and everything that you're trying to do? I suck at that. And I have burnt <laughs> out a few times. Um, I was not a good governor. You know, people would say, what are your hobbies? And between working 80 hours a week and being the PTO president and there at every school play and the room mom and making sure I was completely there for my kids and building, you know, my business and supporting, you know, my relationship with my husband, I didn't have a lot of, you know, extra, you know, extra time for things. And one of the lessons that I learned um, was I should have prioritized my health. So I had a tendency, my husband used to say, you know, I'm the, I'm at the bottom of the list, you know, and I'm like, at least you're on the list. I'm not even on the list by the time <laughs> I do for others. Um, and so about three years ago, I made a conscious decision, um, which was easier to do when the kids are flown and grown, right? And you have more time, you know, to yourself that I wanted to be healthy, that I wanted to get healthy. Um, we sold the family home. We bought a farm, a fixer upper farm, you know, 20 acres out in the, you know, on the Eastern shore. I lost 70 pounds because I carried a lot of weight. I ate and didn't exercise with my stress. And I really put my mind to the fact that I was going to prioritize my health and well-being and my balance, doing yoga, doing some meditation, you know, really being conscious about the food that I ate and how I spent my time. And it was very rewarding. And I, you know, I did it. Um, glad I did it. And I've maintained and it's, it's, I've changed, you know, from a lifestyle perspective. But one lesson I thought is, man, how much better would life have been if you'd done it at 30 or if you'd done it at 40? Harder when you're moving up a ladder, a career ladder, when you've got little kids whose demands meet, it's a very, very tough. So what I always tell everyone is, you know, the best advice my dad gave me was when you put your head on the pillow at night, did you say, I did the best I could, I gave it my best. And some days that might be 50%. And some days that might be, you were a great professional and you were a lousy mom, or you were a great mom and you stunk at work today, but did you do the best that you could? And if you didn't, then try harder the next day, but give it, let it go. And I carried like, I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to do it for a long time. And I couldn't ever just cut myself some slack and say, you know, you've done enough. And I've worked really hard on that. So my advice in terms of keeping the balance is, 
to be kind to yourself and give yourself, you, you wouldn't treat your worst enemy a lot of times the way that you criticize yourself. So treat yourself like you treat your best friend. You know, you would encourage your best friend. You would say they're doing a great job and they're a great mom and they're a great worker and everything else. Give a little love to yourself. So I started to give a little love to myself and I got a lot healthier and a lot, you know, a lot better. I just wish I'd done it a lot earlier. It's uh, it's one of the few regrets that I have in my life. That's a great transformation story. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, listen, you did the best you could with what you knew at the time. And your your dad has some great advice. <clears throat> Definitely let it go. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a whole course about guilt, you know, releasing guilt without feeling guilty, it's called. Uh, because, because I had the same thing. I was like, driven, driven, driven. It was never about me. And it wasn't even about my family. Um and I had a little lot of guilt around that. Um, but, you know, you let it go and you move on yeah. and you learn from yeah. that. So we are we are running out of time. I love talking with you. What what would you say to anyone in the audience who's listening today? If you can see it, you can be it. Make sure that you find female professionals or male. I mean, but, you know, people that have accomplished what you think you want um, and get to know them better and it, it, surround yourself with the best players for the life that you want to leave, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you want to be a corporate executive, whether you want to be an athlete, whatever the case might be, and positivity. Be around positive people who can be supportive. And if you do that and you can see and surround yourself with those kind of people, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. I happen to be lucky in that my, you know, I had my father and my mother and I, and that type of thing. So I spent a lot of my time trying to make sure that young people who might not come in that environment had the ability to see other possibilities about, you know, what they could achieve and what their life is. Cause I really do think visualization and, and, and seeing it makes you, you know, understand that you can do it and that um, you are only limited by your own, your own thoughts. There's nothing that you can't accomplish in my opinion, if you do, if you set your mind to it, but don't judge your happiness on what everybody else's expectations are because everybody's level of happiness foundationally, I believe is built on, you know, their own unique thing. And um, as soon as you start measuring yourself and social media and everything else against all the others, you're going to constantly be disappointed. So measure against what you want and surround yourself by positive, happy people. And um, I wish everybody the best. Great advice. I love it. You know, because when you do compare yourself to other people, you actually limit yourself for what you can do. Because you either say I'm not good enough or you say, you know, I'll never be able to reach that. Right. And or you, you, you know, you focus on that. But when you when you just look to yourself and you're constantly making your own goals, you can achieve anything you want, just like you said. That's great. Great, great advice. So what, um, where can people find you, Carolyn? Uh, Carolyn.parent at conveyor.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on social media. So yes, but I, I'm old school. I love email. If I honestly, if you, you know, or LinkedIn to me, I'm delighted to help anybody at any time. It, it takes a village. And so if there's anybody out there listening that needs some help, I'm happy to support them. Fantastic. Thanks again for being on the show. Love it. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.